Joan Breibart, Body Conversations, Episode 9, and it's about religion. So what does religion have to do with our obesity epidemic? Well, plenty as far as I'm concerned. And I was the first, maybe the only since, to uh, note this in 1978. This is when it was just the beginning of the great wellness revolution. Uh, it was called diet and exercise then. We, we knew um, how to say what we thought and say what you mean. Uh, we didn't have to inflate things and cover them up. So everybody was so excited then about finding out about nutrition and, you know, what to eat and being good and exercising and whatever. And I saw this was just uh, opening a Pandora's box because underneath all of this is gluttony and sloth. Overdoing, overdoing, overeating, overeating and being lazy. So, um, I noted this, I, I mentioned it to many people. They thought, of course, I was crazy, but, um, I said this could lead to, uh, so many big issues and big problems. And of course that was just a pun, but anyway, it did. So I was particularly, um, interested because as an art history major, I saw so many images of Jesus Christ you know, going from the very beginning all the way up through the Renaissance and to today. And what do we have? We have a, a man looks like to be about six foot three, dark blonde hair, light eyes, white, white skin, aquiline features, and broad shoulders. And obviously, uh, this was not the maybe five foot five inch at the top man who lived at that time, a Semite, dark hair, dark eyes, kinky hair, um, big nose, you know, that would be Jesus if that man had lived, <clears throat> which more and more is disputed. But anyway, um, so, you know, I saw that to me, that was part of the whole whitewashing, sorry, um, of things that people didn't want to deal with. And remember, we, we got to the point where we didn't have any more separation of church and state in America. I mean, we on the currency we have in God, we trust and kid, kids pre pledge allegiance to the country and to God and uh, politicians finish speeches, God bless America, we swear to God. And of course, now we've come to the ultimate, which is that nobody dies. They pass, obviously they're passing to heaven with God and Jesus, right? So this has really muddied the waters and it's made America, and of course, Americans don't really want to uh, deal with anything outside of their own country or their own part of it. And so they don't really know that all of Europe pretty much has walked on religion. Yes, there are all those churches. They're all standing empty. Maybe someone goes on Christmas. Um, Scandinavia, for sure. But the most important is numero uno, or soon to be, which is China, where with uh, 
a billion four population, uh, 90% have no interest in religion, and apparently 50% are devout atheists. So think of that advantage, right? Their clarity, rationality, nothing to confuse them about why we're here and what we need to do to be good and all the rest of that. So obviously, um, you know, I feel like this is hurting America politically and certainly it's hurt them in terms of their bodies because what is um, gluttony and what is sloth? It's, it's sinning and that means guilt, 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 guilt. So no one can even approach this subject of consumption, uh, food consumption, of course, uh, with any rationality. It's all mixed in with trying to be good and whatever. Ironically, all of the uh, directives from the CDC and other big medical groups and uh, you know, obviously dietitians and trainers and whatever is uh, eat less and move more. Of course, that before that, they didn't say that they would say um, eat healthy and exercise, but whatever. Let's just take... The, the final one, eat less and move more. And that seems to be an attack on gluttony and sloth. But in fact, it's not because eat less is not eat less food, fewer bites, fewer, fewer. It's eat fewer calories. Of course, we don't know that it would be fewer because we would say less because we don't have any distinctions here. But whatever it is, when you eat fewer calories, you will end up eating more quantity because you will probably be eating mostly low-calorie foods, vegetables. Vegetables are holy now. They're as holy as water, which we've always believed washes away the calories. So we're washing away our gluttony or we're dissipating it when we eat vegetables, but in fact, we are eating more quantity we're stretching the stomach container. And then, of course, when we binge, and um, I probably mentioned this, but I want to say it again, we now have four eating disorders in America. The ones we mostly know, um, anorexia and bulimia, but now we have BED, which is binge eating disorder. You just keep eating and eating and binging because you were trying to um, eat less, which meant eat more and it was vegetables, and then you wanted to get back at um, something or somebody because you didn't like that, so you binged, and you could easily binge on a lot because you would stretch your stomach container. And then, of course, um, exercise, move more, is again uh, such an oversimplified concept when we're talking about people who are obese, perhaps have flat feet, uh, ligaments overstretched, carrying all that weight. In other words, this whole sim simplified, oversimplified directive so that people will spend more money and everybody will think they're addressing this problem where we're going to have half a population that's ill and there's no vaccine for diabetes, right? So, Anyway, um, I think religion uh, is uh, not something that's serving America politically and, of course, certainly not in terms of the health of the population. 
and Bill Maher, but others, and it's coming around now, more people saying it, that we should tax religious institutions. Why not? And uh, I think Bill Maher said we could get $100 billion. That's a lot. That's good, right? So uh, then people will say, no, no one will agree to it because, I mean, the Republican Party is just totally pro-religion. Uh, they don't even have any policies. They're just God, country, and God, country, and family, and whiteness. I think that's their platform. Anyway, um, but then I came up with a financial incentive, and I think this might be something we could consider. So let's say we tax them, get $100 billion. But then if you're a member of a congregation and have been, whether it's Catholic or Muslim or Jewish or Protestant, or well, there are 3,000 actually, 3,000, that's a lot. There are 3,000 recognized religions. That's 3,000 gods. Of course, we need many more. We need one for each person. But anyway, um, and there's also a great book that you can buy about how to choose a religion. You can buy it on Amazon, and um, it gives you all the information in case you want to switch, which no one does because they really aren't even thinking about it. They're just going through the motions. So anyway, we get back to taxing, get $100 billion, and then we distribute it back to the people who are the um, worshipers, right, who attend these um, institutions, these houses of worship. That's what we call them, houses of worship. So think about it. Maybe you're a family of four and you go to St. Joseph's uh, Catholic Church in Pennsylvania somewhere. You might get $100,000, right? That's a lot of money, obviously. And then you can decide, are you going to give it back to your church or are you going to keep it or whatever? Maybe you're going to play the lottery and try to get more. So I think if we look at it that way and accept the fact that we have to, uh, we have to recognize what religion is doing to this country. I mean, we have... Nine Supreme Court justices, seven are Catholic. One is in a Catholic cult. That's the one we just got recently. That we have to, in trying to fix things, we have to deal with religion. And when we deal with religion, we're going to be dealing with the sin. And we're going to be dealing with gluttony, which is consumption and overconsumption and everything that our economy is based on, rather than raising the price of food, all the prices so the people who pick it and grow it will be compensated and people who work in restaurants will be properly com compensated and then people will eat less and shrink their stomach and then eventually we may fix this huge obesity problem. I did mention before and I find it just fascinating that this is coming back. It was on Medium. And it has to be said again, I can't put it out of my head, that this Scottish man who was born in 1934, the age of 27, checked himself into a hospital in Scotland. He weighed 495 pounds, was going to die, and he wanted to um, fast for a month. He was so desperate, of course. And the doctor said they would monitor. He had no food, just water and coffee. I don't know why not tea, but anyway. And uh, after a month, of course, what happened is 
predictable. His ghrelin, which is the hormone that makes you hungry, and in America, everybody's hungry. You know, not that they need calories, but they're hungry. Um, just uh, drops so that he wasn't hungry. And he said, can I try it for another month? Well, anyway, he stayed for a year. He lost hundreds of pounds. And when he got out, he broke his fast with, I believe, one poached egg and a few bites of toast and some coffee, uh, which is all he could take in. And he then went on not to regain the weight. Um, I think it was eight or 10 pounds he regained. Um, and uh, the fact that there, he went into the Guinness Book of World Records. They'll probably never do that again. And, um, and of course, I'm not suggesting that um, half this country do that because it would be horrendous for the economy, just horrendous. But obviously, if food costs more, you need then uh, to uh, figure out how to eat less because you will have to because you won't be able to afford it. And then as you do it, less, less you eat, the less you can eat, are physically able and we fix this problem, and then maybe we can also fix religion, which has created so much guilt. I don't know how people even go through the day. Thank you.